This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. I'm your host, Ash, and tonight I'm joined by my two badasses of co-hosts, Gray and Devin. Say what's up, guys. What's up? <laughs> hello. I was trying to come up with a funny way of saying hello, but I couldn't think of one. <laughs> Sorry about the delay. No, you're fine. We still love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tonight we have a very special guest joining us tonight. He's the creator of the Final Destination franchise and making his directorial debut with his new film, Don't Look Back. It's my pleasure to introduce the one and only Jeffrey Reddick. Hey, Ashley. Hey. <laughs> no, if I'm the one and only. I think there might be a few more of me out there. So, no, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm the one and only. <laughs> so how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just, um, you know, trying to stay positive, you know, with everything going on in the world. You know, I know a lot of people are going through a lot of, you know, rough times. So, um, you know, it, it, it's nice to have a project come out, but it's also like you don't, you feel weird kind of, because you just don't feel like celebrating like normally you would. So, but it, it's Halloween time. So that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how are you doing? Doing all right. Just... Try just get by, back to work, work at both jobs, and just deal with all the craziness. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, me, I'm I'm good. Still trying to enjoy the spooky season. Um, haven't watched as much as I thought I was gonna watch, which is weird because most people have more time on their hands than they normally do. Um, but I'm still trucking along and. Got some decorations today, or I went to Spirit. Um, so, gonna spruce up the house a little bit this weekend. And we're going to the, uh, not the, but we're going to an orchard to get some pumpkins. So, uh, I'll be posting some pictures on Instagram, I'm sure. What about you, Devin? Um, you know, I'm doing okay, as well as I can be for October 2020. We're, <laughs> we're, uh, Getting close to the election. So election day is on my birthday this year, and all I want is a brand new president. So <laughs> y'all can make that happen. <laughs> That's all I want. Yes, um, I hope your birthday wish comes true, sir. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but uh, on the horror front, you know, we've been watching horror movies every single day. I watched Paranormal Activity 2 last night, again, for the first time in a long time. I, I don't think we've ever discussed that series the movie's scary. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're not sure if it is or not. <laughs> I remember when part two came out and I, I was scared of it. And then I saw it a second time. And I said, eh, it's all right. And then I haven't gone back to it in a long time. And then I watched it again last night. And I'm not going to say it was the glass of wine I had, but I was definitely a little, <laughs> you know, shooketh. So. 
Yeah. That was the one when they it like went back to their childhood, right? Or is that the third one? No, That's no, no. The third one. Oh, okay. The second one is it's sort of like a, it takes place at the, at the same time as the first one. It was with the sister. Right. Okay. Yeah. I can't keep up. There's too many. <laughs> and there's more coming. So. Mm. So going on with tonight's episode, Jeffrey has a brand new film out. Don't look, uh, sorry, don't look back. So we're just going to try to, um, like just get the feel of the movie and hear like how the whole process came about and just learn more about it. So starting off, Jeffrey. So this is your directorial debut. Were you nervous to? be sitting in the director's chair or how did that whole process go? I wasn't nervous and I should have been because <laughs> I've, I've been on, I've been on a lot of film sets um, and I had directed a short before. So I kind of thought I had it down, <laughs> but you don't know, you don't know what you don't know until you're actually in that chair. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, everybody's like, like I had answers when people had me questions for me, but it was it was just like if I wanted to go get water, I would just go to get it myself, and they would be like the producers would be like, "Don't get your own water, you know, have a PA do that. Don't worry oh. about that. That's somebody else's job." And I'm like, I'm so used to worrying about everything to make sure like everybody's like taken care of that letting go of that part of my personality and just trusting the department heads to take care of everything was weird for me um, and hard for me. Um, but I enjoy the experience. It was great. You know, we had a great team with us. And, uh, you know, originally we had had this set up at a studio and we were going to, you know, we'd had a cast and we had location scouted. And the, the day we came back from location scouting, we were supposed to fly back down to Louisiana the next week. And they told us that they were shutting their film division down. Oh, so wow. um, our producer, Andrew Vanden Houten, and I were like, because I'd turned down a lot of work because we had planned the whole year out and so we're finally like you know what screw it like we can't we you know we've been trying to get this off the ground for a long time like you can't we just can't wait for people to do it for us so let's just do it independently and do it ourselves um so that was you know it was a great challenge but it was really rewarding at the end of the day because you know i'm happy with how the film turned out so i think for for a first-time director you know just being happy with the way the film being happy with the film is like a huge triumph you know, because we're our own worst critics. So, of course, mm -hmm. I know things that are, aren't like I wanted them to be, or there are certain things that I hoped work that maybe I don't think work, but it was such a learning experience. And again, I can sit down and watch the film. And unlike some of the films I've written in the past where it's like, oh, I can't watch this movie, um, <laughs> I could sit down and watch it and enjoy it. So um, there's so much fun that I had making it. And so we had such a wonderful cast and crew that every time I watch it, it brings back memories. Like, it's really cool. That's good. So, <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, given your body of work, um, I would say you are arguably a master of the supernatural death after death uh, or, or writing about it. Uh, where does that, where do you get that inspiration from? Like, is, is it something you just grew up with or is it, I guess, uh, interest of yours in your personal life? I think it's a mixture. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, there's, I guess there's 
this afterlife has always fascinated me um, in a way. Like, I, I'm a Baha'i, so we have a different view of the afterlife than, like, a heaven and hell. Like, we believe, like, when you pass on that your, your soul kind of continues to grow and, you know, and get closer to God after this life. So I, I've never had that terrifying version growing up in my solid life. So I think hearing about it all around me, like hell and all the scary stuff, just fascinated me. I'm like, this this sounds, it's crazy. No, no offense, I, but to me, I was like, it, you know, lakes of fire with the devil with a pitch, you know, that all sounds kind of crazy, but it's awesome, you know, like right. um, <laughs> a lot of Greek and Roman mythology growing up. Uh, and, I, you know, my first, the film that made me fall in love with horror was A Nightmare on Elm Street. And mm. so the, that kind of fantasy horror has always been where I, I love to to work creatively. Like I do other stuff, like I have, I've written a slasher movie and I've, you know, written a zombie movie and, you know, there's all, you know, I love all the different subgenres, but I think with Supernatural, you can, there's just so much more fun you can have with it. Mm. You know, with slasher movies, it's, it's always great to kind of come up with something you know, I came up with a great kill for my slasher movie that's been done maybe in two movies, but then I saw another movie just do it, and I was like, crap, you know. There's only so many ways you can hack up a person <laughs> on film, of course. Um, never in real yeah. life. No hacking up <laughs> But I think, I think the supernatural gives you more to, like, play with creatively, but it also taps into a lot of stuff, like the fear of death, you know, karma, like, things that we all kind of wonder about, like, you know, we're not all going to be trapped in the middle of the woods with five sexy teenagers, you know, drinking and partying, you know, when there's a serial yeah. killer on the loose. But, you know, the supernatural stuff can happen almost anywhere that you're at. So I think it's kind of something that has always appealed to me because I think it touches a lot of people in different ways. Okay. Yeah, one thing I, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> No, I was going to say, one thing I really liked about, I mean, I liked a lot of things about the movie, but one thing I liked about Don't Look Back is <laughs> you can't, there's a black female at the center of the story. So was there any pushback with the casting of, of a black woman in the lead? Um, is there something you had to deal with before? Sorry. There wasn't with my producer with us doing it. That's another reason why I wanted to do it independently. Um, you know, I, I it, the funny thing is, like, I've been fighting this been fighting this fight for so long like when i first wrote my story the story for final destination 2 i wrote the lead kimberly is african-american or black you know i wrote her as black and then when they bought the story and then they wrote the script all of a sudden she she wasn't described as black and how i try to explain it to people that kind of because when you mention diversity people just get all kinds of get their hackles up for some reason but mm-hmm. don't well i know the reason but <laughs> what people don't understand is, you know, when you're a, a writer or when people are casting movies, like white is the default for for every leading character. Like that's just what people, if you don't write that they're black, they automatically assume white. And if you write that they're black, they still start thinking about white actors and actresses. Um, even when we put out casting notices for other projects saying open to all ethnicities, we'll get 99% white actors and actresses for the leads because that's just what everybody thinks of. You know, pe- when people read a book, unless you say the person's black, you imagine it's a white person. So, you know, we that's what we're fighting f- against when we're fighting for diversity is that kind of default setting. It's like, hey, maybe think of this actress. And 
you know, when people say, oh, well, we always cast the best person for the role, it's like they didn't really cast the best person because they only looked at a certain pool of talent. So Mm -hmm. what I did with this movie, you know, especially once we got it independent, I'm like, I'm casting my black woman because I've seen for other films, I've seen so many talented black actors and actresses come in who were just amazing. I'm like, these people should be like leading men and women in films. And especially in our genre, we don't have a lot of them. So I did pick the best actress for the role, but I looked into a bigger talent pool or a different talent pool than what most people look into, which is just kind of honestly, mostly white actors and actresses. And then you'll have a couple of, you know, usually light skinned and I'm, I'm biracial, so I can say that, you know, I get some privilege for having lighter skin that, you know, my other brothers and sisters don't get, but you know, that happens in casting too. So there's colorism and there's, you know, this kind of racism, lack of diversity, um, that, yeah, so I was so happy when I, you know, got to cast who I wanted to. And, and Courtney's an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. She's smart, she's beautiful, she's funny, she's dedicated, and, you know, I, she, she carries the film, so. Yeah, I thought she did great. Sorry to go on. On a personal note, because <laughs> uh, I thought it was really cool, and it's not really a question, but I enjoyed the fact that it was also an interracial couple. I don't feel oh, as though yeah. we get that a lot in horror as well. Um, yeah. uh, just seeing any type of diversity, I guess, in horror is always uh, refreshing. Yeah, and I think for me, that's another thing because I, I am, you know, biracial. So, you know, that we don't see you know, we don't see a lot of that representation either, um, unless it's, yeah, we just don't see a lot of it. And, you know, for me, I want to grow up, you know, in a world because, you know, people, people don't understand how not far we've come or we've come a long way, but on the surface in a short time. But, you know, I remember, you know, I still have relatives who would literally take a bullet for me, but they're still like, we don't know if God, you know, believes in mixing the races, you know, because of the Bible. And I'm like, you know, oh I, but, they're, yeah. you know but they love me, but they say that stuff. And um, I remember like when I like when, you know, Vanessa Williams was crowned Miss America, there was this big uproar about, you know, how she, she was ruining Miss America. And Jamie Lee Curtis did a cover with Willie Galt for a magazine in the in the 80s. And she got all this hatred because it's like she's on she, She's hugging on a black, you know. And this was in the 80s. This wasn't that long ago. <laughs> this was. Um, so there's so much, you know, we're seeing representation a lot now that we didn't see before. But that still doesn't change a lot of the hearts and minds of people that grew up in a time when this was not okay. Um, and there's still a lot of those people alive because, you know, I was born in 69. I think that was when the last school in the United States was desegregated, was the year I was born. So... You know, you, you know, my I just had this conversation with my sister. Uh, we were, you know, arguing, not arguing, sibling arguing <laughs> about <laughs> our parents and like putting it in perspective to for her that our parents started school in segregated schools is something that is so far removed from her train of thought because she grew up or I mean, she was born in the 90s. So like she doesn't even think about that at all. Like, no, it's you know it's still fresh yeah Yeah. my gosh yes i guess my answer i'm going into a lot of (laughs) i'm getting some stuff off my chest 
Sorry, I'm having technical difficulties. Sorry. (laughs) So, like, when it comes to um, when you're um, when you're promoting this film, the big thing you're pushing was like, this is a different final girl. Like, this final girl is strong, and she's much different than others. So, what what makes her stand out? Well, and I wanna I wanna paraphrase that to, or not paraphrase I want to clarify that because I don't want it because I'm not disowning any other final girls because there's you know there's a lot of really you know like Jamie Lee Curtis Nev Campbell uh Nancy from, from Nightmare on Elm Street you know there's a lot of great final girls out there um I think one of the reviewers actually said she was one of the strongest final you know toughest final girls in recent horror film history which was nice to hear um but I think what makes her stand out just as a unique character are a couple of things you know one she's she's a a woman of faith which you don't see a lot of in Mm -hmm. horror films and two i had a lot of good conversations with courtney about the character as well and we wanted to make sure that she was always she was always coming from a place where she didn't doubt herself like her faith kind of grounded her so even you know in a lot of these horror films which i've written many of these myself you have a lead character who's going through a crisis and then they start doubting themselves and they're like, am I going crazy? Am I, you know what I'm saying? Like they have a breakdown and they're freaking out that maybe they're losing it. And then something happens that makes them realize they're not. And so just for the nature of this film, we decided that we didn't want that for Courtney. We wanted her faith to ground her so that she, when everybody else around her was like, girl, you crazy, you know, she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not. Um, so that was a, a choice that we made to make sure that her perspective was always coming from never doubting herself. Um, and that she, you know, she had to make this right. She, she admitted right away that she was, she felt wrong for not helping, you know, Douglas in the park. And she had to make this right, like to stop whatever's happening, she has to make this right. And so she took that charge and never, never kind of let it go. Mm. I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, she has a line where it's something along the lines of, I mean, obviously you know it better than me, but uh, I know the difference between Maybe not. when I'm hallucinating and I'm not. And yeah. I thought that that was such a powerful thing of like people constantly chalking up women being hysterical and whatnot. And like you said, she's grounded. She's aware that she can do this, but she knows what's, she's in that moment. She's aware of what's going on then. Yeah, and so I, that, that was very, very cool. Thank you. Yeah, and, and you know, I put some of that in there. Like when you when she first goes jogging in the park, you'll hear uh, Kurt who and Maria who are arguing there that they're having an affair, and you know, Kurt tells Maria to quit being hysterical, and then you know, later on, Josh makes the mistake of telling her to calm down. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. You know, I, I've I've seen that way that women have you know kind of get dismissed a lot of times as being overly emotional or too sensitive or it's you know so i wanted to yeah make sure that courtney didn't come across that way but we also saw that there were several men in the film who that was their reaction even if it was loving like it's still it's a loaded thing you know to, right. to oh you're being hysterical to a woman that's ridiculous and another thing i liked about 
uh, Caitlyn, like with the final girl, like like you said, with, like with her religion, like she she's a religious character, and then there's a scene when she's like talking about going to church, and she asks her boyfriend, and he's like, "Well, you know, I'm not that kind of person." And she's just like, "Okay, like I'll go," because yeah. like <laughs> like uh, like some people they'd be like, "Well." Him. Right, right. She was independent. Like she was able to think mm-hmm. for herself. She was able to do for herself. She didn't really need a man. So she was just like, you know what? I'm still gonna do my thing and go to church. I'm not gonna have you stop me. Yeah. And like that's one that's one thing I really appreciate about her character because I know some people and like in some movies they let a person be like, Oh, I'm not into that, stop them from doing what they truly love and believe in. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, again, that was an important part of having her, just her character is just, and Josh, you know, I wrote him to be, it's so funny, I read some reviews where they're like, her boyfriend's a jerk, and I'm like, I wrote him, like, as an awesome boyfriend that, like, that I would want to have. (laughs) I thought he was, like, super sweet, but, you know, he, yeah, but I realized, he doesn't do anything jerky, he's trying to keep her, he's like, you know, you shouldn't go to somebody's house alone, you should do, go to the police, you know, he's not, it's not like he's a jerk at all, but you see that, yeah, like he's he's doesn't want to do his thing. She's like, or doesn't want to do things that she wants to do. She's like, all right, I'll do it on my own then. Like, yeah, there's moments. Yeah, <laughs> he brought her. A, he brought her a stuffed toy. <laughs> yes, he is cute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like I got a lot of flack for that one because, um, you know, I really did cast because because I went into this. You know, I had so many things I wanted to do. And one of the things is like, I want just a cast of real people. Like, I'm, you know, I don't like movies where everybody's like beautiful. And honestly, like, it's just these are the actors that did the best. And they just all happen to be really attractive people of all different backgrounds. And it was, you know, when Josh came in, he just had such a chemistry with Courtney. And my friends are like, oh, yeah, he's a nerd. I'm like, shut up. I can't help it. (laughs) I can't help it. <laughs> he's the nicest. The thing is, he's a, he is nerdy in real life, and he's the nicest guy in the world. But um, yeah, we have a we have a really pretty cast. Um, you deserve. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of horror movies with pretty cast. I'm kind of upset that you were <laughs> they were that was a point of criticism. Well, no, because I I wanted to um because I really did want to yeah the, I think that the the nerd one was where I got where I got the yeah it's like oh come on. Um. You know, I, I noticed between like the Final Destination movies and, and Don't Look Back and, and even Tamara that a lot of your themes tend to deal with survivor skill. Um, people suffer some type of trauma or even in some cases death and, and how they, I guess, um, recalibrate themselves after those events. Has that, what's been the response been like to that to those themes that you've seen throughout your work from fans you know what i mean it's funny because i think aside from final destination i think my biggest kind of fan club is around tamra which is interesting because that's one mm-hmm. of my favorites as well mm-hmm. um i think you i write these movies and i don't realize sometimes it's thematic thing because i never it never hit me about the survivor's guilt until you just mentioned it um, but i'm like oh yeah that isn't Mostly all of my films. Um, <laughs> so I think Freud would probably have a field day with, with where that came from. I mean, <laughs> I did tap into that a little. Um, it wasn't so much Survivor's Guild, but I know with, with the Day of the Dead remake, 
I set that ca character dynamic up about a, you know, Mina Savari plays a, uh, someone who left her sick mother and her brother behind when she went off to the military. And so when she comes back, there's some re family resentment, like you abandon us. And I know that I took that from that from some of my real life with, you know, my family, because not that I abandoned my family, but I know when I graduated high school, like I took off to college and then I went to New York and I was like out there hustling and hustling. And, you know, my sister stayed in Kentucky and then, you know, my mom was getting older. So I'd go back and visit a lot. But it wasn't until she got older that I re started realizing, wow, like I, you know, just wasn't there, you know, and my mom always told me to go off and she was so supportive of me, like pursuing my dreams and like, you know, make us proud, you know, you know, but, you know, when you get older, you start realizing, oh, shit, like, you know, they were like 15 years there, you know, 20 years there where I was, um, you know, where I was, um, hang on one second. So sorry. Um, um, yeah, there were years there where I was just off doing my thing as a young person, not thinking it. And my mother, you know, my mother was 50 when she had us, like, so she never told us her birthday. So I didn't find it out until like way years later because she was like she lived to be 97 she was like the toughest woman i've ever known so mm. she was out in the garden all the time in high school like working in the garden and i'd be like oh i have homework um because i didn't want to work <laughs> in the garden and then i you know i and i get older and i realized how old she was and i'm like oh i missed all these years with her like when i so i definitely made it up you know in the latter part of life but i do have i think that's a guilt that i've carried around that may translate into survivor's guilt um mm. for sure yeah. I, I, I got to ask, this is not related to the movies, <laughs> but I know that you sort of got, I don't want to say got your start, but you did begin by writing to Rob, to Bob Shea over New Line Cinema and, yeah. and, and even getting a job. What was it like working at the New Line Cinema, especially at that time? Because it, they were, they were like that studio, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I will say like, um, I started there in the early 90s, and I think that was the golden yeah. age of New Line. Um, you know, Freddie kind of made it popular in the mm -hmm. mid-80s and helped it get to where it was in the early 90s. But the team that was there, you know, Bob and, you know, Sarah Risher and, and you know, Mike DeLuca, like that was, that studio was, like, amazing to work at. They took creative chances, you know, like nobody else would take. It'd be like, yeah. who wants to see a movie about a black vampire slayer? Uh, mm -hmm. People do, Blade. You know, who wants to see a movie about some guy with a green mask? Turn it, and it's like, Mike's like, trust me, people want to see this. You know, so they would take a chance on stuff that other studios wouldn't, weren't brave enough to take a chance on. And then, you know, once they got bought by Turner and then Warner Brothers, it started getting more corporate. So you started seeing more corporate people come in and kind of that thrill, like, you know, carefree, taking a chance kind of... Uh, stuff started going away a little bit but yeah it was i mean that was amazing to work there at that time I, I can't think of a better time to have been there wow i it sounds like working at silicon valley <laughs> during its night because well i mean because they were like the i don't see the new kids but they were definitely the studio the way new line operated then is not the way a studio would run now yeah which right. is unfortunate because they greenlit so many film like Obviously, the Nightmare on Elm Street films, and as you mentioned, The Mask, um, but also movies like House Party and House Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. that mm -hmm. were these small independent films that weren't designed to win Oscars and, you know, have this huge reach. Yeah. So New Line was always my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. They did so many good films. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so with this film, like it's it's been out for what about a week now? Yeah. So to like all the listeners who are listening to this to our show to this episode, how would you describe the film to them? Like if they never even heard of it or haven't like watched the trailer for it yet, even though we've been sharing it. Retweeting yeah. and all that stuff. <laughs> no, you know what? I would I would say it's a it's a suspense thriller, um, you know, about some people who witness somebody getting assaulted in a park and they don't help out, and video of them gets out to the public and everybody starts knowing who they are and something or someone starts going after the witnesses, and Caitlin, our lead character, starts seeing these. I'll say signs, but it's not like Final Destination signs. She's like just start seeing these little things around her that kind of make her think something supernatural is after them. So she decides she has to figure out who killed the guy in the park uh, to stop it. And so we don't know if it's a killer. We don't know if it's his spirit. We don't know if it's karma um, until the end. And then hopefully it ties up in a way that makes everybody happy. But, you know. <laughs> I got to say, I really enjoy that twist ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you, try, to, you try to do it in a way that you know, this was a tough, a tough film because it's not a straight up horror film. Like I could have done like a supernatural straight supernatural version or I could have done a straight serial killer version or killer version. Um, and I wanted to do a movie where you weren't sure. So it's kind of a what's doing it as opposed to who's doing it. Um, so, it, you know, I couldn't rely on the Final Destination type of set pieces with, you know, supernatural forces like killing people. And I couldn't had the nightmare of the Friday the 13th Halloween, you know, scary chase scene. So I had to try to keep it suspenseful and engaging without being able to show a lot. Um, but I think it's, again, I think it's just an inner, I think it's a very entertaining mystery suspense thriller, a horror film, you know? Oh yeah. And like, what, what gets me about like the film and like the opening uh, scenes of the film is showing like, actual videos of bystanders just standing there and not reacting yeah. and that's a scary situation like this is real like there's people who are actually doing this mm-hmm. and like they're just being quiet and just going on with their days so yeah. I feel like this film is like a nice wake up call like look <laughs> like <laughs> maybe you should like I know you don't want to be like a snitch but maybe you should like help out because you never know like karma is a bitch like karma is real Yeah, yeah. and I don't and, want like Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut No, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I don't expect people to, like, jump in the middle of a fight and put their life in danger. But, like, oh, right. you know, right. the, like, but if you pick up your, if you grab your cell phone, call 911 before you start recording. Right. You know, just call the yeah. police first and then start recording. Don't record the whole thing, you know, right. just to get it on the Internet. So that's, I think, the lack of empathy that has kind of gotten worse over the last four years. I don't know why. Um, World star. But, <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> just the lack of empathy for each other has seemed to, it just seems to have gotten worse. Like people are more interested in getting a viral hit by reporting something mm-hmm. horrible than helping other people. And I think that's hopefully we're going to turn the corner on that at some point and realize, you know, this whole planet, we're all just human beings and we, we've got to look out for our neighbor. You know, we have to look out for each other because. That's we've all we've we're all we've got, you know. Right. Especially how everything is now. Yeah. But I, I do like how you know, the, the before we started. Go ahead. 
No, I was just I like how the bystanders say we we also got their side of the story. <laughs> you know, they weren't you know as, as to why they didn't jump in. It it, it gave them some um, humanity. Yeah, nobody was being. Nobody was, you know, I think the most selfish person probably was Kurt and Maria, or Kurt actually, because he kind of dragged Maria off, and she was trying to go for her phone, and she he stopped her. I think he was the most selfish of them. Um, but yeah, I wanted to give at least people enough of a personality so you don't feel like they're all jerks, and give them enough of a reason where you could say, well, maybe they that was the reason, or maybe they were just scared, and they're telling themselves this was the reason. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I, I took the social commentary as an uh, added element as well because it kind of makes you wonder, or I guess it presents a duality of who the villain is. Right. Because you have Courtney or Caitlin going through this journey, as well as you have these people who stood by and did nothing that could always make them a, 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 a target in life, as well as in the story of like, yeah. what's the bigger crime, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, and we had our Karen in there, you know, that spit on Althea. Uh-huh. Yes. Karen, Karen was a thing. So. I, I I did not think that was going to go down like that. I was um, I had to rewind it because I was watching it. I was like, did she really just spit on her face? And I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that really happened, I mean, you know. Jacqueline Clement, the woman that played Althea, would have beat that woman sideways and realized. Right. <laughs> in the movie, she had a kid, so you know she's gonna, and she's feeling guilty. Well, she, you know, so she's gonna get out of there. But um, yeah, that that's because that I mean, not to get all serious again, but you know that happened to me. You know, growing up where I grew up, that that would happen to me and my sister, and it's Jeez. just such a visceral, it's such a visceral thing to have somebody do that. Mm-hmm. And, you see people doing that now over masks. Oh, you know, yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, oh, yeah. I, I will say there are several people who need their asses whooped. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> so, and I will volunteer to help out. I got my shoe ready. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> you want a steel toe? He's going to get out the steel toe. <laughs> I think we all really enjoy the movie, and it's 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 perfect for this time of year too, like you know, right before Halloween. And it's not the typical slasher film that we are. I don't know. I I'm used to watching this time of year. So thank you for for yeah. don't look back. Well, I'm glad that you all liked it. Like a a I I wanted I almost wanted to for my first film to do a just a straight up horror film because obviously I knew that's what people ex- expected from me. But when it came time to do it, I wanted to do something. That was just a little, like, because I love horror, so I'm not one of those people that's ever like, my movie's not a horror movie, it's a this, a this, a this, because I want to smack those mm-hmm. people too, but right. I just, to get people's expectations in the right headspace before they watch it, it's not a traditional horror movie in that, you know, it's got the bloody Final Destination kind of, like, splattery scenes in it, and, and it's, you know, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's cool that we got to come out around Halloween, and, you know, I'm hoping that it kind of reaches a a good audience, so I'm really excited to see how it plays out in the next couple of weeks. So, like, did you feel any pressure with this film? Like, I mean, Final Destination, like, um, Tamara, like, those movies, like, did you feel pressure, like, okay, like, I'm not gonna focus on, like, 
like extreme death scenes, blood, gore, like all that stuff. Like I want to focus on this kind of film. But like, did you feel any pressure? Yeah. Like to do something different? I didn't feel pressure to do something different. I, I more felt pressure that I knew people were going to be expecting Final Destination. Um, or something like Final Destination. And even if we had a bigger budget, the you know, most of the deaths again, they happen, but you we don't have the you don't see a lot of them because we can't show who or what is is killing these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that I've had pressure on myself because I knew that people were, you know, inevitably going to compare this to Final Destination, which it's not. So I, I, I had pressure on myself to do the best that I could with what we had. And I'm, you know, again, I'm happy with, with, with what we made at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I, I, I expected it going in. So, like, I read reviews and some of the reviews are amazing. Like, they completely get the film and what I was trying to do. And other reviews are like, he did Final Destination. You'd think how he, he'd know how to make a really fun, splattery death scene. And mm-hmm. this movie sucks. And I'm like, this isn't Final Destination. <laughs> right. right. So, There's, like, I five just, of those. Yeah, I just, like, let those roll yeah. off, you know. So, what could we, like... Are we going to see like what? What are we going to see next? Like from you? I'm sorry, I cannot talk tonight. So, <laughs> what can us, the fans, expect from you next? What's um, the future of Jeffrey? The future of Jeffrey. Well, I should definitely tell you about a film that's also out now. It's it's in theaters. It's going to be on um, um, video on demand um, October 31st. I produced it um, with Timothy Woodard Jr. directing it. Um, a movie called The Call. And Timothy directed a movie that I co-wrote with um, John Doyle and Will, Will Halfen called The Final Wish that came out a couple of years ago. So this is his newest movie, and it reunites us with Lynn Shay, and we also have Tobin Bell in it, which is amazing. And we have Chad Rushing from Stranger Things. We have a great cast. Um, and it's a really, really, like, if you want your horror movie with your, with your set pieces and your blood and your scares, like, that's a, definitely a movie you can check out. Um, either in theaters now or again on October 31st. Uh, it's really fun. And, uh, you know, I'm working surprisingly um, in kids animation right now, which I love. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm doing um, two series uh, that are going to be on Netflix. Uh, one is a spinoff of this Japanese comic book called Usagi Yojimbo, which is kind of a really, really popular a Japanese anime about a samurai rabbit and his animal cohorts. And uh, I can't say what the other one is because they haven't announced it yet, but it's kind of in the, it's in the genre kind of fantasy world, um, but it's it's kids. So I've had a lot of fun working in, in that arena, to be honest. It's just fun to work with other, you know, talented writers and, and um, still try to do stuff that's scary, but you know, I try to put some heart and some humor into even my all of my horror stuff. So I feel like this is a chance to kind of do that. So I've been focused on that, and then I have my horror projects that I'm working to get off the ground. One is going to be uh, a slasher, you know, film, really, really great film that where the cast is 95 percent, ninety seven percent African American, Latino, Asian, whatever, whatever, whatever oh. we get. And um, mm-hmm. I just describe it to people like it's going to be a really fun slasher movie like Scream or Halloween. But instead of focusing on all the pretty white college students and their two, you know, one black and one Hispanic friend, 
um, we focus on all the pretty brown and black people, and they have a couple of white friends. So we're just. I love it. It's still. It's just going to be a great slasher movie, but we're just shifting the focus of our characters onto the characters that are usually like not the leads. So I'm really excited about that film, and I'll definitely come back and tell you all more about it um, yes, when that's I'm like excited gets for going. You. Yeah. That's awesome. And I do have to say, like, the one thing I just adore about you is that you put so much like like knowledge and love into your work, and it truly shows. And I just appreciate that about you. So thank you. I try. Like, I do try. Like, that's sometimes it sometimes it comes across, sometimes it doesn't. But I I, I do try. You know, I think any, anybody who's creative, you know, we always put our, our heart and our soul into our work. And, you know, and then we put it out in the world and hopefully people connect to it. And then you kind of move on to the next one. So, um, yeah, it's really, it was, you know, really great, you know, to connect with you all and you know so again glad that you that you love the film and again you got the layers that i was putting you're it's funny anybody here this is going to think they're going to be watching like you know great expectations <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so, but um it's just a really fun movie but um i'm glad that it's you enjoyed it on an entertaining level but you also got the other stuff that i put in there because a lot of people aren't getting that stuff because they're expecting like we want we you know we thought it was going to be a fun splatter movie like Final Destination. And I love Final Destination. Um, and it's got some a lot of good themes in there too that they work with. But um mm-hmm. but yeah. It's 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 a nice it's a, it is a nice time. Like see I, I started the call like it's hard to be excited with all the world burning and now I'm all like feeling great. So I'm like Yeah. <laughs> Just don't think about that debate that's on <laughs> that you're recording. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Um, I, I do have a recommendation for the audience. Um, there's two movies. One is one of your movies, Jeffrey, and the other is not, but makes a, a perfect double feature. Well, Showgirls 2? Is... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop. I always recommend Showgirls 2. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it's um, Dead Awake, which Jeffrey, you wrote, oh, which okay. is about sleep paralysis, followed by The Nightmare, which is a documentary about sleep paralysis. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. you won't sleep nope. that night. Y'all Mm-mm. you're not gonna sleep. So Ash <laughs> that's your challenge. <laughs> Get some grippos and a margarita and have a double feature. Yeah. Dead, Dead Awake was really such a wonderful film too. Philip Guzman directed that one and we had such a wonderful cast and, and crew on that one. That's what I love about working in the indie world. Like you know, you don't have the the money that the studios have because in the studios, if there's a problem, they just throw more money at it. And if you're mm. Indian, it's a problem. You got to figure it out. Right. Um, but I've got to work with like such wonderful people, like really passionate, talented people. And um, I have to say, like all the movies I've worked with, like I've I've loved everybody that I've worked with, like all the the cast and the crew. I think there's probably only been like one time where like you know a director for some stupid misunderstanding, didn't, didn't like me and was kind of a douchebag, but you know, one in your entire career is not, (laughs) not a bad, not a bad actor. So, um, I've been really blessed to have worked with some great people and the the whole team behind dead awake was amazing. And as was the final wish and Tamara and day of the dead, like they've all been, you know, 
I wasn't trying to fuck in movies there. I just didn't want to leave anybody out. This is this is great. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Jeffrey. Of course, awesome. Thank you, thank you all for for having me or inviting me. That's a southern thing to say for having me. Thanks for having. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'll keep you posted on the on the slasher movie too. Um, yes. As I know anything. Yes. Yeah, so, you got to come back here and talk about it too. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> y'all, y'all got my. <laughs> so, where can our listeners find find you on social media, and where can they find Don't Look Back and your other films? Um, all of my films are. Of streaming or available like on demand. I mean, Don't Look Back is on all the video on demands like iTunes, Amazon, Voodoo, etc. Um, and I think you can catch some of the other films on Netflix, like Don't Look Back. I think Dead of, Day of the Dead you have to order, but um, yeah, they're they're pretty easy to find out there. Um, and some of those darned um, illegal downloader streamer people have <laughs> got it too. Um, but you don't don't do that. Don't illegally download. Um, and yeah. as for finding me, I think Twitter is the best place. It's I'm at Jeffrey A. Reddick. So it's that's my Twitter and, and Instagram. I'm on Twitter more because it's just, you can just do more with words there. Like on Instagram, you know, you've got to either like have your shirt off half the time or to get people to follow you. And I, I ain't doing that um, unless I start working out. <laughs> you know? Taking some steroids and get all roided up, and then you'll see on there, like no shirt on walking around. But I write all the time, so he wants to see that on, you know, here I'm writing a script. So, so, but I'm Instagram or Twitter are the best um, places to reach me, and I definitely update, you know, what's going on with my career. And I'm also when I see other people's work, especially that's on Twitter, it's easier to do. When I when I see films that I love, I I tweet about them as well. There's so many other good projects out there that I, I love to support like other artists and filmmakers and stuff so yeah Twitter's probably the best way and once again thank you Jeffrey for being a guest on our show oh. I love you I appreciate you 